0: Hi all, this is Ian.
1: And this is Lauren.
0: Before we get started today, we wanted to get all of our plugging business out of the way up front.
1: I do not like it when we say plugging business, Ian.
0: Neither do I. As hopefully many of you have heard us talk about before on this podcast, Lauren and I have been working on our first narrative audio drama, The Vanishing Act.
1: Actually, it's a comedy, but yes. It is a weird and wild dive into the 1930s and features some of the guests you know and love from Not Another Film Podcast as over-the-top characters in pursuit of answers to a mysterious disappearance.
0: Spooky. The first episodes are out now on all of your podcast providers, so please give us a download if you like what we do here.
1: And if you listen to and enjoy the show, please make sure to leave us a review of some kind on whatever your preferred podcast platform is. A star-based review, actual written critique, and word of mouth are all still the best way to get a young baby bird podcast to grow into a giant dragon eagle with full-fledged sponsors.
0: All of that was incredibly transparent. So yes... Please, while you're listening to us gab about our favorite movies from childhood, subscribe to The Vanishing Act and leave us a review. And, like I promised before on this show, if you also want to leave us a review for Not Another Film Podcast, I'll read it on air. I'm not above it.
1: He's not. So, again, the plan is to head on over to your podcast provider, subscribe today, and then let us and all of your in-person and digital friends know what you think about The Vanishing Act.
0: And one more time so it's burned into your brains, The The Vanishing Vanishing Act. Act. And now, back to this week's episode. And on that note, folks, welcome to another episode of Not Another Film Podcast. This is the podcast where we take movies we used to love as kids and we re examine them in the harsh, sobering light of 2020. And today. It's a special one, folks. We're calling this Back to Basics. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the two of us here. Uh, I am Ian Gears. I'm one of your co-hosts.
1: I'm Lauren, the other (laughs) co-host.
0: No last name. No
1: last name because I don't want you to know personal information about me. You're like
0: the singer Dido. (laughs) Just like one name. That's Mm -hmm. it. Her name was probably like Dido Johnson.
1: Yeah. Sure, I totally know what that reference is.
0: You don't know Dido? No. The, um, um, she did that, uh, the...
1: Oh, wow, it's really coming to your tea's mind. has gone
0: really cold, I'm wondering why. Nope. Jump out bed Got nothing. It was the hook to Stan, to the Eminem song Stan.
1: Not familiar.
0: This is so sad. Where were you in the late 90s and early 2000s?
1: I was in Florida.
0: Florida? Dude, <laughs> were you hanging out in Orange Groves with I, Amanda Pete? <laughs> yeah,
1: I was. I was hanging out in Orange Groves and exclusively listening to uh, Disney Channel radio. Like...
0: Well this would have been on Disney Channel not Stan, but yeah. the uh that would have been pretty dark for Disney Channel Radio.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh
0: so today we're here talking about the two thousand and three film mm-hmm. Identity. Yes. This thriller from the uh early aughts. Yes. Uh Lauren, I guess this was your choice. We'll call it your choice. Uh- you, every single time it's come back to you, you've been like, we got to do identity. Soon. I have
1: never said that. That's such... <laughs> I have never said that. Ian is the one that has been leading this the entire time. Every time you said, you actually said you want to do this because Eric's never seen it. And you want to see how the twist held up. But now like the clowns we are, we did this podcast and we both knew the twist going in this time.
0: Yeah. And we, you know what? There's still so much that I didn't remember, yeah. but also like.
1: I hope you're ready for us to relitigate so many things during this podcast so now that we have no one else to play to Ian and I have just been quarantined together for like <laughs> eight months now nothing is going to make sense to a wider audience you're
0: getting a sense like halfway through this we're going to start talking about chores we have to do around the house bills yeah. we have to pay
1: it's going to be incomprehensible to a wider audience I the, can't wait for it
0: yeah the declining stability of the American theater it's like really all like, of these things
1: yeah, it's just a slice of life view into our life in quarantine
0: how between us finishing watching this movie and recording this podcast we've both made tests to go get tested for covid like a lot of uh big life things are happening
1: yeah i mean i watched this whole movie while i was doing uh paint by stickers so you may know like paint by numbers uh it's basically a booklet where instead of painting by number you just have different stickers that you put on the number and you create works of art um which is has been the highlight of my last few days so that's where i'm at
0: i'm proud of you thank you it looks totally cool yeah um, great. Let's talk identity.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> On a completely unrelated note, let's talk about this thriller.
0: Yeah, let's talk about this thriller. Where was the first time you saw this movie? Because we both had seen this before mm-hmm. re-watching it today. Mm-hmm. Uh, when was the last time you watched this movie, and what was the first time you watched this movie?
1: Um, I've only ever seen this movie once before. Uh, I watched it with my mom, who I think loves this movie, but really wanted to show it to me. Um, I'm assuming because of the twist. Um, because she just wanted to see someone else watch this twist. The same way that I always liked in college to show people Snowpiercer and watch their reactions. I think that was my mom with this movie.
0: Was the twist in Snowpiercer for you when they stick the dude's arm out the window and it freezes no. off?
1: Oh no. There's so many twists in Snowpiercer that I won't reveal now just in case none of you have seen Snowpiercer. Every
0: car is another cause twist?
1: Cause this podcast and watch snowpiercer
0: the television show starring david
1: diggs (laughs) i mean i've heard it's great my dad loves it um but also just fyi we will be spoiling the shit out of this movie and its twist is pretty crazy so if you want to watch a movie with a crazy twist in it maybe give this a shot
0: it's also one of those movies that i i kind of miss Mm -hmm. that it's like It is, it's not even just kind of like, oh, and there's a twist. This whole movie hinges on a twist. It's predicated
1: on this twist. And
0: if you, it's a movie that you watch because of the twist. And if you don't know, it's, it's, I mean, like we are huge into this stuff with like, like M. Night Shyamalan around this Mm -hmm. time, the late 90s, early 2000s, where really like the movie hinges on like, do you know the twist of identity? Yeah. It's not like, did you see the great performances
1: I think this movie is, this might be a controversial statement, because a lot of people really hate the twist.
0: Lives and dies on its twist. I
1: kind of think this movie is a better watch if you don't know the twist.
0: Uh, Lauren, this movie is a thousand percent better watch if yeah. you don't know the twist. So <laughs> I would say like, If you know the twist, this movie is a slog until you get to the twist.
1: Yes. So I would say, if you don't know the twist, if you have not seen this film before, and um... And you are interested in kind of an Agatha Christie style, like, and then there were none crazy movie with a really insane twist at the end. I, I Give this movie a try first and then come back. Otherwise, if you've already seen this movie, we're going to spoil the shit out of it and talk about it. Yeah. Um. So starting now, uh, it is fair game. Uh, so I saw this movie. So when we
0: find out the murderer is...
1: <laughs> so, um. Uh, yeah, I watched this movie with my mom. I think I was like 13. Um, I was, like, I was This movie's rated
0: out. R, though. You're not allowed to watch an R-rated movie at 13.
1: Oh. Ooh. Yeah, no. Uh, this movie scared the shit out of me. I'm not When surprised. I was, like, 13. I think I was, like, 13 or 14. This movie, I, I also have a very, I had a very weak constitution for horror back then. I still, I still do. A lot I of remember... bad
0: experiences and seedy motels.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know me so well, Ian. Um... And this movie, like, genuinely, I couldn't sleep for a few nights afterwards. And I'm watching it today, and I'm like, this isn't scary. Why was I so scared of this film? This can, movie terrified me. Can
0: I ask you, what what was your fear?
1: Um, <laughs> this is so embarrassing. Because watching it today- Are you about I, to
0: reveal the twist?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, basically. Um, I'm about to reveal one of the twists. Um... So, the part of this movie that was ironically the most hilarious part for me today was the very end with the kid.
0: Oh man, this kid's sizzle reel.
1: The kid scared the shit out of me at the end. Like, when she turned around and the kid was there, I was like, ah! I don't know, there's also some part of me that when I was like 13, the scariest thing to my brain was...
0: Other kids. Other kids. <laughs> That's so accurate. Well,
1: I am scared of kids still to this day, but for a different reason. Um, uh, yeah, no, I was so scared of children spookily reading uh <laughs> like poems, and so that like very specifically scared me.
0: <laughs> so this movie ending with a child reciting a poem in yeah, a whisper it
1: was very scary to me. I yeah. was, I remember, like, but all the entire vibe of this movie was scary to me. Like it was just very like atmospheric it was stormy outside i was basic like anything scared me at that age um but i remember this movie like really scaring me like i didn't want to turn off my lights in the dark because i was just like oh my god that kid's gonna be there um which is very embarrassing to reveal now yeah because this movie is not scary at all at all (laughs) this movie is not scary i I think it's like a head fuck kind of scary yeah i think there's like a 10 minutes because, okay, so the movie feels like it is taking place relatively within our world until about ten minutes before the twist is revealed.
0: Oh, I disagree.
1: I think, but like, when the bodies start vanishing, but like... It's
0: when, it's when Jake Busey mm-hmm. starts to escape the hotel room. Mm-hmm. And then he gets far, he crosses the dirt road, he sees another patch of light, he starts running towards him, when he gets there, he's back at the hotel. It's that moment to me that what I was that just What does happen
1: like, in the movie? I it's totally, like
0: 25 minutes in.
1: Oh, okay. For some reason in my head, even though I watched it today, that happened later in the movie. That's um, because so this whole movie you blurs right. together. You're right. You're right. Um, there's another movie that I really like that has a similar type of moment to it. Uh, there was another movie around... This This type of movie was very popular. It was yeah. called Shrek 2. <laughs> the movie is called uh, The 13th Floor. Um, that my mom also loves. It has a very similar moment that I think is actually done. I, I Maybe this won't hold up. This may be a stay tuned. Um, but has a very similar like, creepy moment of like, wait, the world is maybe not our world. Um, and I kind of like those moments of altered reality of like, either like, this is a vastly different world. Or it's like, this is our world, but just like a step to the right. Mm. Um, I'm in just like a slightly altered universe. I really dig that kind of thing in horror. Um, so I liked those moments, like, before everything was spelled out, and after shit started getting, like, a little bit supernatural, I kind of liked that atmospheric stuff of, like, the the kind of, like, maybe time loop aspect of it, the type of, like, limited universe type thing, all of the bodies disappearing, and it becoming sort of a just, like, are we going crazy? What type of world are we living in? Is this, like, a simulation? Is this uh, a mass hallucination? is this some sort of entity that has trapped us here and i think because i think like the mystery of what could it be is more intriguing than the actual reality when it's revealed
0: yeah i i kind of feel like overall thoughts upon this rewatch is the best thing about this movie is also the movie's biggest hindrance and mm-hmm. that is its runtime yeah this movie is a blissful a blissful 90 minutes. It
1: is the length of a Black Mirror episode.
0: <laughs> it is. It's the length it is. of a
1: Sherlock episode. like.
0: Yep. And which is amazing. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love seeing a movie that's a tight 90 minutes. Yeah. Um. The problem is it introduces so many ideas for things that it never ends up following through on. Mm. Like it introduces all of these like kind of red herring ideas, right? Of like... Yeah. Maybe we're in a time loop situation. Maybe we're in a closed universe situation. Maybe this is, purgatory, as Claya Duvall says yeah. at one point, like we're on an Indian burial ground and like yeah. it is something supernatural. Maybe there's a supernatural entity that's yeah, but, out like, there. We have
1: all offended some supernatural entity that is now trapping us here to, like, yeah, to we, fulfill some sort of purgatory um, situation. Um, all of which I think are really fascinating ideas.
0: And fun ideas, but the problem with the movie is the movie's so short and has a lot to get through. Like, you and I would even, like, we'd look away to do something, and then we'd come back and be like, oh, wait, when did this person die? Yeah,
1: we had to rewind the same ten seconds three times because we would look away at the exact moment where something would happen and this movie would not stop to explain what had just happened. No, which A is character cool. character gets killed and we were like, wait, someone just died. How did they die? Where did they die? What and I happened?
0: hated that character so I needed to see them die. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. you never
1: see them die. They died off screen.
0: But the funniest thing is that, like, continuously is just that this movie keeps introducing these alternate theories for what's happening and then in, like, the next line will dispel them. It yeah. gives you no time to think, like, Maybe it is something supernatural. Cause then it's like, nope, it's not. It's like, oh no, okay, yep. fine. Fuck me, I guess, for like wanting something more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um so is that the last time you'd only seen this movie once?
1: I've only seen this movie once before.
0: Okay. What cool. about you? Same. This movie was on HBO all the time. And this was a that strong facts. HBO watch for me. I remember being up late at night. I was very lucky. We had I had HBO in my room. Yeah um which was great for many reasons as a as a young man yeah. but um <laughs> one of those things that it afforded me was that if i couldn't get to sleep i could watch uh whatever was on hbo and i remember watching this movie at like eleven thirty 30 at night
1: mm-hmm.
0: on like a weeknight and again being like terrified i remember seeing the trailer for this and being like this is gonna be super spooky
1: mm-hmm.
0: i like john cusack Mm -hmm. I I do love dogs. It's
1: got a really kind of nice, like, noir horror vibe that I dig.
0: There's, there's, and admittedly, this is to the movie's credit, and I'll get into it, because I don't, like, we're going to rip into some stuff in this movie. Oh, yeah. But there's also, like, I do think that there's a lot of stuff to admire in this movie, and I think all of it boils down to one name, and it is that uh, the director of this film, James Mangold. Which is shocking to me. What else
1: has he done? Remind me.
0: James... Ma- okay, I'm going to run down James Mangold's IMDb because this shit's wild. All sure. leading up to Identity. Okay. Uh, 1995, Heavy. 1997, Copland. 1999, Girl Interrupted. 2001, Kate and Leopold. All of these movies, very different films. Mm-hmm. Uh, Girl Interrupted and Kate and Leopold, definite stay tunes. Yeah. Um, 2003, Identity. Here's where it gets interesting. Identity, was, which was at the time... Critically one of his lowest and least well-received movies. From Identity, 2005, Walk the Line. 2007, 310 to Yuma, the remake, which is fucking dope. Wow. 2010, Night and Day. Not a good movie. Tom Cruise, uh, Cameron Diaz. Um, 2013, The Wolverine. 2017,
1: Logan. Oh!
0: And last year, the dad movie to end all dad movies ford v ferrari
1: man logan makes so much sense now. oh man
0: yep which i kept thinking about watching this movie because again and i think logan does this so much better is this what this movie has in spades where it lacks in a script and character like a character Mm -hmm. anything is this movie makes up for it in unbelievable casting yeah and great atmosphere yeah the atmosphere is strong throughout. You can tell that this is a director that has a really strong vision. And so throughout, like, you...
1: He can assemble a cast. It does, like, it, not to, to, like, lean into this, and this won't be my recommendation for this episode, but it does kind of, like, another flawed movie that assembled a really great cast for, an like, an Agatha Christie type thing is the... Crash. Movie. <laughs> the... <laughs> yes crash the based famous. on based on agatha christie's
0: uh, uh and then there was racism <laughs>
1: um uh, racism
0: on the pasadena freeway yeah but the uh, the
1: murder on the Orient express that came out with kenneth branagh yeah like he again a very flawed movie that assembled an incredible cast
0: uh, yeah, yeah people, I'm, like, I'm. I'm still waiting to see the receipts on the podiums of that day.
1: I, and same with Identity. Again, <laughs> it's assembling a great cast and not necessarily utilizing them in the correct way. But like, there is something about a director that is able to like draw those those incredible artists in mm-hmm. for a particular vision. Whether or not that pays off, obviously people like working with him.
0: Oh, sure. And
1: like, and believe in the vision that he has.
0: He's a good director. Yeah, they should. He's like, proven himself time and time again. So, He's a yeah. good director. So,
1: in the interest of, like, giving some nice things about this movie up front, <laughs> the atmosphere is great. Um, I think it is. it feels pretty unique within, like, the horror thriller realm.
0: At this time, especially, I kind of feel like it predates, not even predates, but it, like, it's wild that it feels so at home in movies like, there was another John Cusack movie that came out around this time called 1408. Yeah. There was, a uh, uh, the butterfly effect, which I think is very similar to this. Very much There's a so. lot of like these psychological thrillers. Yeah. That present themselves as maybe a little bit more jump scary or supernatural.
1: And that are actually more like slow burn twist heavy movies. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A little bit more mood pieces. And I think this is, this has always stuck out in my mind. Yeah. Un- like honestly, until rewatching it today as,
1: uh. What year did this come out?
0: 2003. Two thousand three as a like hybrid of like horror and mm-hmm. noir thriller yeah and now watching it today it's like oh this is definitely a lot more thriller this yeah. this goes down a lot easier than your your average slasher film yeah um it's
1: interesting i think this would make a uh, and i've already mentioned this movie i think this would make a really interesting double feature with uh, i just looked it up in 1999 the 13th floor came out which is a b- very similar type movie to this like very reliant on a twist very like Supernatural, but instead of going, like, the noir-supernatural aspect as much, it's more of a, like, techno-noir.
0: Oh, about... like hackers?
1: <laughs> it's about, like, virtual reality, basically. But it's a similar, like, thriller um, about questioning the reality that you may or may not be in. You mean in
0: 1999, the graphics to VR were so good that you could question reality? <laughs> no,
1: they were just That's evil. the Matrix!
0: You're just talking Matrix. Okay. Um... Fine, Great. throw
1: me under the bus for my lack of...
0: <laughs> there is no movie called The Thirteenth Floor. It was Lauren's ghost script for The Matrix.
1: Okay, and I've been trying to get it off the ground forever. Stop throwing me under the bus, Ian. <laughs> it is available as a spec script. Please contact me at notwithinfilmpodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um. But no, it is. there are two sim- very similar movies um, that came out within four years of each other that are very, like, this, like, thriller noir vibe. Oh, yeah. With, with just, like, a slightly different... Like, it's weird, because it's, like, Thriller noir, and then throw in a third thing, and like, and I feel like <laughs> what was that the third was really thing big because also like the game came out, which I think is another like thriller noir. Yeah, with a different like twist on it, like.
0: Well, and even this was the year after Panic Room, and even again, and, or, and like one. fucking Fight Club. Yeah, a whole big twist ends thriller on a giant noir, twist. Thriller noir, and
1: then like slightly different concepts thrown on top ends of it. Ends on it a was twist. Huge right now.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a totally accurate statement. Like,
1: and also like people loved unreliable narrators in film right now that was so huge
0: that was a terrible vibe man this was i like a good unreliable narrator if it like suits it but then there's some stuff where it's like this was unreliable for the sake of being unreliable Mm -hmm. like
1: yeah but this one this one i find this movie particularly difficult because it is unreliable narrator that won't even let you in with the narrator enough to form any meaningful connection with any of them so it can't like it doesn't necessarily really pull the rug out from underneath you because you're not invested in these characters. I feel like a good twist with an unreliable narrator is with an a, with a narrator who you ha- can invest in, mm-hmm. and you think you you know who the person is, you think you can root for them, or you think you kind of like know what the world is and their place in it, and then the rug gets pulled out from underneath you. Yeah. Um, but this movie, none of them ever. Be- Maybe it's because it has such a large ensemble and doesn't really establish any of them as the protagonist. Yeah. Aside from ostensibly John Cusack, who they're setting up to from the beginning for us to think that he's the murderer. So there's really no one you can hold on to for the rug to be pulled out from underneath We un- disagree
0: on that point. Because yeah. you
1: don't think... I still think objectively, we'll come back to it, just for sake of clarity. Um, but there's no one you can invest in so that when the rug is ultimately pulled that they're not a person... Yeah, that you're like, oh fuck, I thought they were a person, um, because it's like, no, they're all just caricatures of people.
0: Yeah, they're they're thinly drawn characters. Yeah. like I it's could very not, similar yeah. like
1: snakes on a plane, where it's just like, oh yeah, these are like basic improv characters.
0: Yeah. Uh, so should we dive in? Shall yeah, dive I would in? love to dive in. Yeah. All right. So this movie begins. We we are hearing what well, we're hearing and we are seeing, uh, Alfred Molina's goatee and. We, <laughs> It begins with We are
1: seeing a lot of newspaper clippings. A lot of
0: newspaper clippings. There's this person named Malcolm Rivers.
1: There's also a creepy little poem that gets read. There's
0: this creepy poem. Yeah, this movie starts out with this creepy I
1: met a man who wasn't like who wasn't there. Yeah. I trying to remember what the actual
0: It's like, I met a man who wasn't there. I it's s- a very famous yeah.
1: poem. It's very like a spooky little poem about the person who wasn't there.
0: Yeah, it's a William Hughes uh, Murn's poem.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: in the movie the thing that like tips you off to where I guess you should know that this is an unreliable narrator. Is Alfred Molina's goatee asks this voice like, <laughs> uh, oh, that's a cool poem. Who wrote it? And he says, and the the voice we hear says, I did. Mm-hmm. Which I guess we should be taking at that point like, well, unless this is the biopic of William Hughes-Murns, I, I guess that we're not mm-hmm. supposed to believe this dude.
1: Oh, um, interesting. That was
0: kind of what I picked up on this time. I but
1: mean, yeah, I feel like you're not supposed to trust <clears throat> it just because like the lines of the poem are about a man who isn't there and none of the men in the story are actually there
0: yeah well and so they said for it up... me
1: that's the, the tip off they twist by the way that everyone should know <laughs> i feel like right up front no 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 no.
0: let's see how far we can go with that all right all right it. let's see how far we can go with all right
1: i feel it. like i've already hinted at it a bunch but uh let's see if you haven't if you're not gonna watch the movie let's see if any of this makes sense to you yeah
0: well, because then we get to recontextualize it in the in, in the context of the twist. Great, great. And I think okay. at that point, it's so insane.
1: All right. Well, there's a poem that says, I met a man who wasn't there.
0: Yeah. So now we're going to meet a bunch of characters who are there. And... Who
1: well, ostensibly are there, question mark? And there being Ian.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, there, there is this uh, seedy motel. Uh, I guess outside of Las Vegas, since Las a bunch Vegas. of characters keep mentioning Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um. It is raining its ass off. This entire movie.
1: These, this poor cast, truly.
0: Dude, this dedicated cast.
1: Everybody's fingies are so wrinkled yeah. by the end of this shoot. Um,
0: The first person that we really get to see is John C. McGinley driving in his car. Um, John C. McGinley, Dr. Cox from Scrubs, mm-hmm. if you're not aware. Yes. Um, I brought this up to Lauren as we were watching it. He is... Uh, an actor that's kind of all like for the past maybe thirty years looked like he's the exact same age, yeah. which I think is like on one hand fucking amazing, good for him, good for him, uh. But on the other, the what that means is not just does he look healthy, you can tell, and you could tell this on Scrubs, which was happening at the same time, you could tell that he is a very physically fit person. Yes, and this movie, he is playing like the nebishy dweeby stepdad
1: mm-hmm. who's
0: like talking to himself about rules like they get a flat tire as they're driving he's and a
1: fucking nerd and he sucks
0: he's yeah like like genuinely like I know we're in like the age of like nerds actually rule but like gen- like this dude would get beat up he is a nerd <laughs> he sucks this nerd This should have
1: just been played by Brian Cranston like,
0: yeah, like in like 2002 Brian Cranston when he's Malcoming in the middling
1: he absolutely should have played this role yeah, absolutely 100%. good
0: give it to him give yeah. it to him Yeah, John C. McGinley's miscast in this. And I like him.
1: Absolutely. He is way too buff.
0: He's way too buff. There's not for one second where he's just, like, getting pushed around. and, And, again, I can buy it if it's, like... At one point, like if we're doing like a bad boys for life scenario where it's like you've got this giant fucking Hulk of a man yeah. who's like this nice gentle giant, but then you say like the wrong thing about his sister and he hulks out on you. No, <laughs> like, they never
1: do anything about it. John C. He McGinley, just sort of like yeah. has a breakdown like 10 minutes in and then just keeps like rocking back and forth in the corner like the rest of the entire, like the movie before yeah. he dies. Like,
0: He's he'd like, oh, this is going to be my crazy role.
1: Yeah. He, his entire thing, we... Ian and I just the other night. Ian introduced me to there's a new Scooby Doo series, Scooby Doo
0: um, Mystery Incorporated, and
1: it's actually surprisingly really lovely. Um, but there's a moment, there's a really great joke with Fred because he's so type A, um, and he's so just like high strung and so like not willing to admit that he likes Daphne, and she gets kidnapped as Daphne always does mm-hmm. by this giant crab person who, like, pulls people underneath the sand. Oh, yes,
0: of course. And he starts
1: starts digging in the sand after her and essentially just has a breakdown, so, like, they move him to different places for, like, the next three scenes, and he's still just digging where he is on whatever surface he's on. That is... refuses to break out of it, and that is this character the entire film, but played straight and not for a joke.
0: That's such a good call. That is actually a really great call. That's
1: exactly what he's doing. He's doing like He's a joke character that's played not for laughs.
0: Yeah. None of this. This is a humorless movie.
1: Completely humorless movie.
0: Um, which again, for 90 minutes, I can take a humorless I think there's
1: one time someone smiles in this movie and it's when someone calls someone else a whore. Like. Yeah. It's fucked up. It's fucked. Um. This movie is sad.
0: Yeah. Uh, so we get John C. McGinley driving. He's with his wife and their son, uh, stepson. Yes. And, uh, they get a flat tire. And mm-hmm. he immediately does this whole, like, check your mirrors, uh, I have seat belts fastened, uh, chicken at ten and two. This uh, is
1: also where we have, like, a nesting <clears throat> structure for the narrative, where, like, oh, he ran over a, over a shoe. So we, like, flashback to another person who will end up at the motel, who ended up with their shoe getting thrown out the back. And then that, like, rewinds again to another person who encountered her on the road, and it's... Yo. It's, it's completely unnecessary, incredibly stylized, and we don't need it.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate the style. My yeah. favorite thing about this is... But never followed
1: up. They never do anything similar except for later when it's like, oh, let's flash back to explain the twist. Yeah. <laughs> they, like, at certain points... Well, these like, are all
0: twists, Lauren. These are twists on twist. this are twists. This movie's about twists.
1: It, is the opening a Twist really like, oh, twist, it was Amanda Peet's shoe. Yeah, because they're like,
0: it's like, oh, we got a flat tire. And then he goes out to check and it's raining. It's us off. And he's like, he pulls out the thing from the tire and it's a high-heeled shoe. Where would a high-heeled shoe come from? Cue the fucking Foo Fighters and Amanda <laughs> Peet. <laughs> and she just... Oh, my I've been for Dude, you know what? Two things I loved in the early 2000s: Foo, Foo Fighters, Fighters and Amanda Peet. <laughs> okay. Do we want to talk about Amanda Peet right now? About Amanda Pete. I love like, not Amanda just Pete. Amanda Peet in this movie. The, the career of Amanda Peet. She's
1: great. I'm. I'm a fan of Amanda Peet.
0: Such a fan of Amanda Peet. Yeah. I, I I was saying this to you while we were watching. I bought so much stock in Amanda Peet in the late 90s, mm-hmm. early 2000s. A lot of this had to do with. Uh, being a young man at that time and just being like head over heels in love with Amanda Peet.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that I don't, I don't have quite the fixation that you do, but
0: yeah, I but, am a fan. Yeah, but then all, but then it all gets backed up as I got older and st- and was still watching, you know, some of the movies that yeah. I really loved when I was a kid and kind of came to to mm-hmm. like her acting a lot, which you know, movies like The Whole Nine Yards, which I really enjoyed, and then like Igby Goes Down and. Mm-hmm. As bad of a movie as it is, like Saving Silverman, she fucking say, like, goes for that it.
1: That is a stay tuned because a, there is so much to discuss in Saving Silverman. Yeah, but, but she you, goes, for but
0: it. she goes for it, and I appreciate the shit out of that. And and I've always liked Amanda Peet. I wish Amanda Peet was. I was checking her IMDb. She's in a lot of stuff still. Huh. She's done. She's doing that. I feel dirty, like she's
1: done TV a lot. Yeah,
0: she's kind of primarily switched to TV, which is
1: a good move for her.
0: Although she was in the last big thing I saw Amanda Peet in, um. Uh, I guess like last two things I saw. She's in this Jason Sudeikis, Allison mm-hmm. Bree movie called Sleeping with Other People. I
1: really like that movie. Yeah, and
0: I think she's very fun in it. Um, I
1: feel like kind of Allison Williams has swooped in on a lot of like Amanda Peet vibe roles.
0: I buy that because
1: I also think Amanda Peet would have done a really good job like in like in at this if era. Get Out had been in, made
0: ten years earlier. Yeah. yeah, I
1: actually really think she would have been perfect for that role. She's because she's she's beautiful, but I also think she <laughs> has. A nice wild card energy to her.
0: She's got a tough exterior.
1: Yeah. She's got like a tough exterior, but like a soft core. Um, yeah. Which is is really That's interesting. What you want. It's what, it is what you want. And I think it is something that is versatile and can work for comedy really well. Um,
0: we just wish she had done more comedies.
1: Yeah. Or, you know, better comedies. Yeah.
0: She's in this really, really good um, HBO show that came out a couple years ago called Togetherness. Hmm. Uh, that the Duplass brothers did. Um, Only two seasons, but it's very, very good. It was a very underrated show, and she is... That's a
1: good pairing of actor and material. Yeah,
0: she's Mark Duplass' partner on that show, and they're they're both great. Yeah. Um, But yeah, again, I just... I want more for Amanda Peet. I Mm -hmm. want her to have an incredibly successful career. Um, I hate... I genuinely, like, as much as we joke about it, hate the fact that, like, so much of Amanda Peet's, like... Uh, notoriety these days is as David Benioff's wife. Yeah,
1: that's rough. Is as like doesn't she, age is, super yeah, well. Yeah,
0: genuinely is the uh, is that she's my wife Amanda Peet in all of the acceptance speeches. Yeah. Because I think that she is such. I a mean, fucking... not anymore,
1: not any acceptance speeches anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah that's true. R. Same R. thing R. with R. the my R. wife R. Leslie Bibb. Yeah. Again, we love Leslie Bibb. We stand Leslie Bibb. R. I. P. Game of Thrones. Want uh, the best thing for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Game of Thrones unfortunately died years before the show actually did. Uh, but the. So she plays a character named Paris. She is a uh, a sex worker. Mm-hmm. And she's. And this
1: movie does not take kindly to sex workers.
0: No, it does not, and there's a reason for it later on. But to reveal it would reveal the
1: twist. Yeah, it's complicated and psychological. It's not
0: that complicated. It's just dumb.
1: It's just dumb. It's just one of the characters hates sex workers. Great. Yeah. So um, she was.
0: She stole a lighter from a guy and reached in her bag for the lighter, and all of her shit flew out of her bag. And yeah. that's. This I'm, is
1: also treated as like a very dark moment for her, like stealing a lighter from a man.
0: Yeah. A man who she has handcuffed to a bed.
1: I'm pretty sure... She's done he's worse. She's gonna be fine? Uh, but that's just me. Um, but yeah, her whole trope is that she's a, a sex worker with a heart of gold. And yep. she just wants to get out. Of the sex worker industry, because she's better than that. She's better than sex work, even. Because,
0: Lauren, her birthday is next week, and she just wants to be in an orange she's grove. She's about
1: to turn 30, and she just <laughs> wants to live in an orange grove.
0: This is fucking... Which, like,
1: you know what? That doesn't have anything to do with being a sex worker, and that's fine. We yeah. all just, I feel like we're all at a point where it's like, no, yeah, I'm about to turn 30. It would be kind of cool to just, like, have a house
0: yeah oh yeah no <laughs> like,
1: oh yeah no all be of those great to have things that to I'm not wide, live like, in a
0: world with a pandemic or yeah. a nazi president it'd be or, nice to be
1: able to just like hug my family and not have to worry if the world was crumbling yeah, every day such
0: blatant yeah police so, violence it's yeah
1: yeah um so i i do relate to that aspect of it quite a bit
0: oh yeah no i completely agree amanda pete knows what's up
1: yeah but that's pretty much all we get to know about her.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's, um,
1: that's the extent to what we know about her. We'll we introduce
0: the other characters. Even
1: less about John Cusack.
0: Well, let's go. Let's get into it. John Cusack plays Ed. He's a driver of a limousine. Yes. He's currently driving Rebecca De Mornay, who's uh, playing a uh, uh, Hollywood actress. Um, Every
1: stereotype of a Hollywood actress.
0: Yep. She's full of herself. She has the the best part about this is she's on her cell phone, um, as they're driving through the storm she loses service on her cell phone. Yes. And then she says to John Cusack, "Hey, I have an extra battery up there. Can you hand it to me?" Couple things. Why is her stuff up there with John Cusack?
1: It's a limo. There's it's a limo. so much room.
0: <clears throat> what? Yeah, where are you coming That's from? That's the whole
1: point of a limo is that there's a shit ton of room at the back.
0: Where did she come from and where, where is she, she go? go?
1: Where did she come from?
0: Rebecca De Mornay. <laughs> Um, so she, yeah. So it's a, it's a real, what the fuck's happening situation. Yeah. And she's like, well, give me an, I have another battery in there. I can put it in. My battery's about to die.
1: Maybe my millennial is showing, but I didn't realize that there were like spare batteries for phones.
0: My, and my millennial shows in that when I hear we need a new battery for this phone, I think of Breaking Bad, where it's like, okay, cool, put in the battery that's got all my Drug Connect numbers on it, and then take out that battery and put in the battery that's got Skylar's number on the phone.
1: Yeah. No, he has two separate phones. That's a whole thing.
0: Sure, but like I'm saying- It's a whole
1: plot point on Breaking Bad, Ian. I know this because I've watched Breaking Bad now. Thank you, quarantine. Um, No, two separate phones. He takes the battery out so that it doesn't ring while he's in class.
0: Or he takes the battery out so that they can't trace him through GPS.
1: Yes, but that's like a whole SIM card thing. That's not a battery thing.
0: Doesn't matter. It like takes out the battery. Switching
1: the battery doesn't mean that it's like it's switching all the information on the phone. That's a SIM card. Those are two completely different things.
0: Could we Could we possibly, uh, uh, listeners at home, I'm, I'm sure you're listening to this. Could we get Brad Motorola to call in and tell us <laughs> how flip phones worked with batteries? Because yeah. my poor little stupid millennial brain doesn't know how to do anything yeah. without a lightning port. Oh, boy. Uh, um, so, so, yeah, that that's what's happening there. Uh, the he, best part of
1: it, <laughs> and then some. Uh, some plots converge in a very dramatic way. Ian, would you like to uh, tell us how his plot converges with the A plot?
0: I would love to, Lauren. Uh, so, John C. McGinley's wife gets out of the car to check what's going on with this uh, flat tire. Mm-hmm. She sees her son. Her son puts his little cherubic hand to the window. Uh, in she, a
1: very weird moment. In an they out just of sort nowhere. Of who wave cares. at each other through the window.
0: She touches him through the window Mm -hmm. then takes a step back and immediately gets hit by this car Yep, this car that's being driven by john cusack that doesn't limo which he doesn't notice her because he's looking for rebecca de mornay's spare cell phone Um, straight
1: up hits this woman at this point
0: this movie is just crash
1: straight up wrecks this woman's life
0: (laughs) yeah it's crashed with even less black people yes uh, and by less, I mean zero. I mean,
1: absolutely not. It is
0: just white people in this movie.
1: Exclusively white people. Yeah. Um, there is a slight reason for that, I guess. Um, I
0: guess. It does make more sense.
1: It makes a little more sense, but it's not great.
0: It's not great.
1: But also, like, the alternative wouldn't have been great either. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, we're talking I don't around, know. This is a point where we're talking around the twist.
0: It would have been nice to at least see, like, the board of doctors have like that more than true. just old white people and the, Alfred Molina's goatee.
1: In the framing device, which we've touched on briefly, um, the framing device <coughs> being, which is also insane, the framing device of this movie is insane. Go for it. The whole point is that they're um, they're bringing the judge in to rehear a case of a prisoner, who Malcolm is, Rivers. Malcolm Rivers. Who is going to face the death penalty the next day? He has he's less than
0: twenty four hours to live. Less than
1: twenty four hours to live, and his psychiatrist has just now, or his lawyer, I guess, lawyer psychiatrist. It's never really clarified. It's it is like
0: a social worker.
1: Yeah, is it's like Alfred Molina's goatee. Yeah, he's like, you can't do this. We're on under a time crunch, so I'm calling everyone in to relitigate this in the middle of the night because we have been presented with new information. About his mental state.
0: New information Um, in the form of a diary. A
1: diary showing that he has multiple um, personalities and that maybe he was not um, himself and was not aware of himself at the time...
0: Of the murders. Of the
1: murders and therefore cannot be held accountable. Um, This is insane because what they would... (laughs) probably wouldn't just say like oh well we got 12 hours to to resolve this case they would just push back the execution this is genuinely insane
0: they're not like okay look somebody's gonna die in 12 hours it's either gonna be him or me yeah
1: and the basic idea is that they are all convened here there's a storm going on and they are waiting for the patient to arrive in his armed escort um and then we go to the uh hotel And um, And the
0: police officer arrives. And there is a
1: police officer escorting the, um, the prisoner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we are led to believe that that is, that is the person being led there. But we start to maybe think that maybe it was someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, this timeline's not entirely sure. So we're kind of left in this liminal space of like, when chronologically is this taking place? Because also this man is, it had murdered people at a motel. Um, yeah. So the whole idea is like, is this what's happening on the way there? Is this, are these the murders that happened? Yeah, is this the flashback? Is this a giant flashback? Is this happening in real time? Is it something more complicated than that? And that's where all of the kind of like spookiness comes into play of like, is it the person that we think it is? Could it be someone? It could technically be anyone because we are, we have this concept set up that it may have been a person that was not aware that they were the murderer. Mm Mm-hmm. It's... At the time. So... So anyone in, uh, in this movie, in this entire ensemble, could be an unreliable narrator.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and they want you very much to believe that, the entire movie.
0: And at this point, we do not know... We don't know what Malcolm Reynolds looks like. We don't yeah. know... Who, who they are, what they look like, if that's their real name, if that's the personality that they associate themselves with, even though that may not be the physical body that they're in. Yes. We don't know anything.
1: We don't know anything. We just know a bunch of different pieces of the puzzle.
0: Yeah. So this cop shows up. This cop is played by Ray Liotta. Yeah. I love Ray Liotta.
1: Instantly trustable human being, Ray (laughs) Liotta. We all look at Ray Liotta's face and we go, that seems trustworthy. I should take you at face value. Yeah. Your spooky, spooky face. Ever
0: since I was a kid, I always wanted to be a law enforcement officer.
1: (laughs) And you're like, that seems like you probably made that choice for honorable reasons, right?
0: Right? Yeah, and I'm just like, I've seen you punch in a dude's face with the butt of a gun in like nine movies i don't believe for a second that you're a straight cop yeah this makes no sense um maybe this depiction of police though is the thing that's aged the best from this movie yeah (laughs) um yeah and he is transporting an inmate who's played by jake Busey um uh to to uh, we don't really know we never find out it
1: doesn't matter
0: uh, but we are supposed to assume as an audience, since we don't know, that mm. this inmate is on his way to this hearing with Alfred Molina's goatee. Yes. Uh, so the first thing Ray Liotta, trust, trustworthy cop Ray Liotta, <laughs> does is leer at Amanda Pete mm-hmm. and try to sleep with her.
1: Yes. Well, that's not the first thing he does. The first thing he does is tell the husband of the woman who's just got run over that like, I don't know, you're kind of just shit out of luck. Like, yeah, there's nothing I can do for you.
0: He tries to call in an ambulance, but he can't get anyone.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, this will all make sense later. <laughs> which is hilarious We're to me. talking around
1: so much stuff right now. Fuck um, it, let's
0: just ruin it, let's ruin it, let's ruin
1: it. Um, Ray Liotta it. is one of the inmates. He has killed a cop. Yeah. And is pretending to be a cop.
0: So my favorite thing about this is that, like, John Cusack comes up and he's like, oh, thank God you're a cop. Uh, look, we need to call an ambulance to come and pick up this woman who I hit in my limo. Yeah. Um... And because Liotta, also, all
1: of the roads are flooded and they can't really get anywhere, um, they can't get any signal.
0: So, Rileyota goes to his car, pulls out the walkie, and just starts going, uh, uh, 420 to dispatch over, <laughs> 420 to dispatch. And it's just like, it's amazing to just like in his head, he must have been like, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing right now.
1: No. <laughs>
0: I'm calling a random anything, who knows what I'm doing,
1: yeah.
0: Um, so we get those characters.
1: Everyone ends up stranded at this motel.
0: This motel is run by John Hawks. Mm-hmm. Love John Hawks. Love Super seeing spooky. me some John Hawks. This is at the same time he's playing Saul on on uh, Deadwood. Mm. So it's great to, great to have him in your movie. Um, they also get joined by Clea Duvall and William Lee Scott, mm-hmm. who are playing a newly married couple. Uh, and... Yeah, and I think... Is that it, everyone? That's everyone, right?
1: I feel like I'm forgetting someone.
0: We probably are, but who cares? Who
1: are we forgetting? I don't care. No, that's everyone. That's everyone. That's everyone. That's, that's 10. everyone, that's 10. Yep.
0: Um, and now that we've got all these characters in place, and again, if we didn't tell you anything about Clea Duvall and uh, and William Lee Scott, it's because they, their characters can be boiled down to a literal three-line exchange yes. uh, that happens later on in this movie.
1: They're a couple. She cries a <clears> bunch. <throat> and is superstitious, and he sucks. Um, <laughs> Such
0: a waste of Clea Duval. Such
1: a waste of Clea Duvall. She spends every single second she's on screen crying.
0: She spends more time, in the, she's probably got maybe like 25 to 30 minutes of screen time in this movie. If that. If that. I would she's, say
1: 15.
0: Okay, 15. Let's say, say 15. I would 15 minutes. She is in the movie, the, uh, the hit film, uh, in my opinion, Zodiac, for a grand total of three minutes mm-hmm. and is one of the best parts in that movie. Mm-hmm. And in 15 minutes, all she's asked to do is cry.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, by the way, Clay Duvall, welcome to the Not Another Film yeah. Podcast Hall of Fame. You were in the faculty and you were great in that and you're yep. great in this. Yep. Um, even though you don't do anything in this movie. Yep.
1: Love you
0: and Veep. Love you and Veep. You're just a wonderful, you're a wonderful, wonderful performer. I love seeing Clay Duvall in this.
1: Always things. like to see Clay.
0: Um. Great. What else do <laughs> we got here? Uh, uh, Rebecca de Mornay dies first.
1: She dies first. Yeah, she gets killed very quickly.
0: Very quickly.
1: Um, straight up murdered and thrown into a laundry spinner.
0: Yeah, a dryer. A dryer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what that's called.
1: I couldn't tell if it was a washer or a dryer, so I just I decided to split the difference and just say thing.
0: She starts to go make a phone call, uh, because she sees a bar on her yeah. phone. So she walks outside and, and she just she's making can't this phone call. And she sees this kind of shadow and she's like, "Uh uh-oh, this seems spooky. Mm -hmm. And then that's the last time we see her. Yeah. The next thing that happens out of nowhere.
1: Not a whole lot of graphic murders in this movie.
0: No, and that's the other thing. It's not very gory.
1: Because they can't show any of the kills. Yeah. Because they cannot show any of the kills. They can only show the aftermath. Because they cannot risk giving away any single feature of the killer.
0: Of this fucking brilliant twist. (laughs) Of this... Amazing Hitchcockian so they twist. They not
1: show you a shadow. They will not. Cause show the you.
0: shadow would give it away.
1: <laughs> would it? Yes. yes. it would. I mean, <laughs> the, I have so like many questions. Like you said, any
0: physical descriptor of this killer gives, gives it, it away
1: immediately, and also makes you question. Because also they can't show it because, like, they, when you they get revealed, you're like, wait, but how? Don't you're worry. Like, Literally, how? No,
0: but don't worry, folks. You get to pretty much see all of the kills at the end in this sizzle you get, reel. No,
1: you get to see all of the kills that were, like, easy kills. Yeah. All of the stuff where you're like, physically, how did that happen? When a dude gets a baseball bat shoved down his throat, like, straight up halfway to his belly button.
0: That's the image that I remember the most from this movie. You're
1: like... Oh, you, you don't get to see the, the, the killer do that because that is impressive and I genuinely don't know how they did it.
0: I have no clue. All I can imagine is like they're up in the rafters. They jump down and plunge it, but I can't.
1: That's the only thing. You gotta have height. You gotta have <laughs> you gotta height. height. You gotta use body weight, you know? Ah! You're, like, you gotta get body weight behind it because there's no way. The upper body strength just ain't there, Ian.
0: Okay, so we find out also at this point that John Cusack was a former cop.
1: Yes, John Cusack f- comes across... Uh, Rebecca De Mornay's, uh body. Um, because he's snooping. He's snooping. He goes to the laundry room, opens, opens up the dryer, sees it, and does not react at all.
0: Sees her severed head. Which
1: I find incredibly suspicious.
0: And he reacts the way you'd expect John Cusack to react. He says, oh, God. Yep.
1: <laughs> oh, dear God. No facial reaction whatsoever.
0: Do you think that... On like in the car, like the one day or I guess that John Cusack and Rebecca De Mornay filmed together. Like they were just talking about what it was like to be like teen stars in the eighties. I'm sure. God, I would have paid money to be on the set for that day.
1: Yeah. John Cusack's a wild card though. I feel like he might have just been like not talking.
0: Not gonna lie, I like John Cusack too. I think he's great.
1: I do I do too, but I feel like he's got he's also got an energy about him of just like kind of chaos energy.
0: Oh yeah. I it's the like, the Danny Trejo story about yeah. Conair. Was, he was the only person that Danny Trejo was afraid of in Con Air was John scary. Cusack.
1: John Cusack's a little scary. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd choose to hang out with him for a day. I'd probably be like, no thanks, I'm good.
0: He's Chicago royalty. You'd have to.
1: Would I? Yeah. I'm not a Chicagoan. <laughs> I've only lived here for a few years. It doesn't matter. I'd
0: rather hang out with Joan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do love John.
1: Joan wins in my mind. Joan is always going to be the MVP Cusack. Mm. Um, but anyway... Ian and I differ on this. Malibu Barbie. I think very clearly John Cusack as our (laughs) protagonist is set up this entire movie for us to think that the plot twist is going to be that he is the killer. Because he is ostensibly the good guy. He is the the moral center. He used to be a cop. And maybe it's just because it's 2020 but I'm like not trustable.
0: And I think it's because I'm I've been recently watching a few uh, Hitchcock movies. Mm -hmm. Um that I was associating John Cusack with, like, the the Jimmy Stewart role. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, you're the one, you're the outsider. Like, in Rope?
1: Like in Rope, in Rope
0: and in, like, Vertigo and, like, mm-hmm. in the, 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 there's this thing about him that it's like, you're the kind of outsider, you're the name. Like, yeah. he's, all, he's the biggest star in this movie. I understand movie. from
1: a Hitchcock point of view, but from, like, a 90s thriller point of view, I think that that is more the type of twist that was big around this period of time. But that's
0: what I thought they were trying to do with Ray Liotta.
1: Yeah, but that's kind of is what they do with Ray Liotta.
0: Yeah, but that's what they do with all of them. Find Spoiler alert.
1: No, but Ray Liotta turns out to be the bad guy. Ray Liotta turns out to be a fucking criminal, Ian. Just because that's one level of twist does not mean that it doesn't count as a twist in this movie. Oh,
0: so you're saying that criminals are bad guys and cops aren't? No. Entrapment.
1: Damn uh, it! <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I said! Uh,
0: Anyway. So, yeah, they, they find Rebecca DeMornay's head, John Cusack, nonplussed. Uh,
1: like a murderer.
0: John Hawks freaking the fuck out. But
1: again, I think I, I just have to come back to this because the whole point is that they're setting up this idea that there is going to be a reversal in that the person who is the killer, if this is a flashback to the murders that are happening before the case that they're talking about, if these are the murders, I think it makes sense if they're saying oh, we've revealed that there is this alternate personality that is there. He was not in control at the time of the murders. I think it makes sense if the the protagonist that seems to be the moral center, the moral guide, mm-hmm. is actually himself committing these murders and does not realize he's committing these murders. And that seems like a pretty decent twist.
0: I, I, it's not
1: the bonkers off-the-wall twist of, like... The,
0: the, end, of the end of this movie? The end of this
1: movie, but it is a twist that I think is earned and is set up. And is, an, is a misdirect that they do actively set up in this movie.
0: Okay, I buy that. I buy that.
1: He does... He is in all the places that the murder could take place. Like, he ostensibly could commit most of the murders. In the well, scene.
0: yeah, because nothing told him to go to the laundry room. No, he just he, went but there. he
1: knew to go to the laundry room.
0: Um, so, the next murder is the mom.
1: Yeah. The mom does. No, dies. no, no. The next murder is Clay Duvall's boyfriend.
0: Okay, fine. So, Clay Duvall is it's, like... So,
1: it's... Let me see. Okay, let me see if I can talk through all of them. It is... The actress. Rebecca DeMornay. Uh Clea Duvall's boyfriend. William Lee Scott. Who, again,
0: shouldn't have been in this movie, A, because he just looks like the more traditionally handsome version of John Hawks. They have the same facial hair and they're both white dudes with, like, shaggy brunette hair. Not a good look. Get an actor that looks different than John Hawks. Keep John (laughs) Hawks. Get rid of the other guy.
1: Yeah. Third murder. The mom. No. Third murder. Stepdad.
0: No, the mom dies before the stepdad. No, the
1: stepdad dies first. No, he... Stepdad dies first. I'm... I'm stepdad dies first. 10,
0: 9, 8, 7, They 7. run him over
1: by accident. Yeah. No. That's the fourth one. No, he dies first because then they... No. I know where you're thinking of. So what happens is... No, Ian, you're not <laughs> right on this one because what happens is he dies first. But there's this whole thing where um after someone gets murdered, they... Uh, a room key is found next to the body that is a like a token from the murderer counting down from 10 yes she technically gets revealed with her key first but they they are freaking out because they're like she died of natural causes she wasn't murdered there's no way they could have known that she was gonna die and so they say to find out if she died of natural causes or of murder they go out to his body the the stepdad's body, who is already dead, who died of a of a, a motor vehicle accident. He gets hit by a car, and then they find out after the fact that he had the previous key. She so... has number. She has number six because she was murdered afterward. But he has number seven. They just find it after hers.
0: Ugh, oh, I I. So I'm not
1: wrong. I am so right on this.
0: I'm not finding anything that gives us the exact I know I'm right.
1: I know I'm right. You have to trust me on this.
0: I just thought, like, because the mom is essentially just a vegetable for this movie, she doesn't have any lines, really. Yeah. She's asleep for most of it. But she does not
1: actually die. Because what happens is...
0: She dies and then and then the kid gets taken by Cléa Duval.
1: Yeah, he gets taken away by Cléa Duval and then they find the room key that says 6 and they say there's no way that she could have died of like she could have been murdered by this person because she died of natural causes and then they go out to his body because he also appears to have died in an accident mm-hmm. and they find the key on him. And find out it was not an accident that he got hit by the car.
0: Somebody hit him.
1: Yeah, well, he got hit by the car by John Hawks just trying to escape. Yeah. Because he, another crazy fucking moment, is not actually the guy that runs the hotel. He showed up at the hotel one day. Hold
0: on, wait, before.
1: I feel like I gotta say it.
0: No, but I'm just saying, this story Mm
1: -hmm.
0: is awesome. (laughs) I loved this backstory. I genuinely thought this was really funny. Yeah. And also it was, like, not, and not funny in, like, a I'm making fun of this movie kind of way. Funny in, like, a this is a darkly comedic beat, and I think it works in this movie. Yeah.
1: So John Hawks, who runs the hotel, they think that he is a murderer. Because they find out through a series of, of uh, reveals that he was kind of a drifter coming from Vegas. He showed up at this motel one day, and the guy who ran the motel was dead. Just like dead at his desk, he was
0: he was dead in a pot pie in a banquet pot pie.
1: Yeah, and so he basically just sort of pushed him off to the side and took (laughs) his job.
0: No, straight up pushed him into a freezer.
1: Put him into the freezer and just took his job and started taking people's money and running this hotel.
0: That's the craziest thing is this dude was like, I am out of luck. I'm out of money. I'm coming from Vegas. My life is complete utter shit. I'm going to stop at this hotel. And instead of just taking the money and leaving.
1: He gets the job.
0: He settles in and just takes a job. Which means he's got to be the one who's, you know, cleaning up all the rooms when people leave. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the doing one, laundry
1: like, loads. He's, he's like, probably doing the taxes there.
0: Yeah, like, this is, I don't know. I just think that this is hilarious. This whole, like, thought great. process from him is so fun.
1: And he freaks out and he's like, I'm not the murderer. And uh, and goes outside, tries to drive away, and ends up hitting the stepdad. Good. By accident, ostensibly by accident.
0: No, fucking by choice. <laughs> Fuck John C. McGinley's character in this movie. This yeah. guy sucks.
1: So then they start to kind of realize like shit's not right anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've had four deaths With in one lot night. A lot of
1: deaths. It seems like they've. Um... Oh yeah, the inmate's also gone missing. Yes. He's gone missing. Oh, no, he dies.
0: He dies He's first. He's eight.
1: He's eight. So it's actress, it's Clay Duvall's boyfriend, and then, then it's the him, inmate. The inmate, because John Hawks was supposed to be watching him. Yep. And the reason he thought they thought he was the murderer is because he left, and then they came back, and that dude was fucking killed.
0: Okay, here's a couple things about this. He, at first, John Hawks is left in charge of Jake oh. Busey, and, uh... And Jake Busey is like this is where the writing of this movie just goes off the deep end. Mm. Michael Cooney is the guy who wrote this movie. The only real other credits to this dude's name is he wrote these Jack Frost movies, not the Jack Frost movie with Michael Keaton, like these these murderous, fucking oh boy. Uh, snowman movies that were mm. like straight to DVD horror films. This was like his attempt at getting into like prestige psychological drama. Okay. Um, but his, so yeah, so this murderer, this character Jake Busey plays, who we at this point are supposed to assume is the Malcolm Rivers that we're mm-hmm. seeing. Because
1: he's never referred to by name.
0: Yeah. Uh, they keep calling him the Con. Yeah. Um, which is short from Convict. And wow. And he, uh, <laughs> the the big thing that ends up happening with him is he escapes this room. Uh, Ray Liotta has chained him to the, the, the toilet. The toilet. Um, which is bizarre anyway, because you come to find out later on that they're both convicts. So you're like, well, are they friends? He's keeping up appearances. Keeping up appearances.
1: I assume they're not friends. They're just sort of like business. (laughs) They're colleagues.
0: They're prison colleagues.
1: They're colleagues. Um, uh,
0: and, and Jake Busey escapes Mm -hmm. and runs away. And like we said earlier on, uh, he runs away from the motel, crosses this little embankment sees a bunch of lights, runs towards the lights and finds himself back at the motel. And so at this point you're, this is the first indication of like, okay, things here are not what they seem. Yeah. This is a little bit askew. Um, but yeah, then they catch the dude, they knock him out. Um, Mm -hmm. they tie him up. John Hawks is supposed to look after him and the writing here is so atrocious because he's just like, He's like, yeah, I got a big whopper of a secret. It's all of these cringy, like, I'm an insane person lines. Mm -hmm. And they're not pulled off with, like, a ton of fun or a ton of menace. It just kind of feels cheesy.
1: It just kind of feels like it's like, okay, we have to set up this red herring. It feels very workmanlike. Yeah. Like, it's not specific crazy. It's just sort of like, I'm going to play a crazy character. Because um, I know that I am just i just exist to be a red herring. Yeah. So that I can get murdered and everyone can be like, oh no, it wasn't him.
0: Anyway, like you said, they come back to this room because John Hawks has left. He's freaked out. And this dude has the baseball bat that John Hawks has been having As with him. As we
1: discussed earlier, baseball bat, bat down his throat. How do you, how do, and like, there's only one way that he could have.
0: That, that the murderer could have done this. I
1: mean, like, no human being could have done that.
0: Uh, uh, A strongman like John C. McGinley could have done that. I don't
1: even know if you could. I feel like it'd be logistically very difficult.
0: I think John C. McGinley could have. He looks like Buzz Lightyear.
1: Uh, I don't know about that.
0: Um, anyway so yeah so that's that dude's dad John C. McGinley dies the mom who's already was like bleeding out and like sick John Cusack stitches up her neck like perfectly <laughs> no. and it's like I had no idea that you had uh, you had any experience uh, doing stitches and he's like I don't and it's like fucking it you're gonna let this person who has no experience stitching up anything stitch up your wife's neck there is nothing sterile in this hotel I mean, everything is covered option? in pot pie grease
1: there's no other option who else is gonna do it Ray Liotta
0: you fucking keep pressure on I would let Amanda if, Pete do it
1: if I choose between John Cusack and Ray Liotta to stitch my neck up it's gonna be John Cusack every time
0: uh okay let's talk about Clay Duval. Clay Duval is <laughs> the whole thing that we find out with her is that she's pregnant and they're like oh shit uh, she got they,
1: married like hours ago they just
0: got married hours ago in Vegas her and William Lee Scott they run out of the room and he says and she says screw you you don't I don't belong to you and he says What's inside of you belongs to me. Half of it belongs to me. And so you're like, oh shit, she's pregnant. And then the immediate next line is, I'm not actually pregnant. (laughs) It's like, okay, I guess you're not actually pregnant. Fuck this movie then. It's just
1: that you cheated on me. So I decided to double down and marry you?
0: Yeah, not the move. No. I'm a dude, granted. So I don't know. I'm coming at this from the dude's perspective where none of this sounds appealing. But that does not seem like the move.
1: Seem like the move because it does. It's like, oh, I don't think that that means he's ready for marriage, and I don't think he's going to change as a person.
0: Yeah, I don't think in trapping him in a false pregnancy and then getting him to marry you—that's going to be the thing that makes him turn down those boyish ways. No. Um. So anyway, she locks herself. It doesn't end up
1: mattering because he's dead three seconds later. She locks herself in the bathroom. He dies before the bat murder.
0: Yeah. She she, the bat murder.
1: I'm going to call it the bat murder from now on.
0: She locks herself in the bathroom. I just want to bring this up because I wanted to make this point. You can hear him kind of getting murdered. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's calling out for her and then he, he stops calling out does a real
1: classic, like, oh, it's you.
0: What are you doing here?
1: Yeah, He's he like a very classic.
0: But because of who we find out the murderer is, it's just one of those things where like you hear it from the other side of the door and there's always a lot of like, oh, it's you. I didn't expect you to... And it's like, will no one in any instance be like, no, oh, I'm being murdered by... And like, then just say the name. If you're already going down, fuck it. Cut off the mystery for everyone else. Yeah. That's a macabre-ass joke. I don't
1: know. I kind of think it's like dramatic effect. You're like, if I'm going down, I may as well. Like, why would I make it easier for anyone else?
0: Man, then you are a monster.
1: I'm truly an American. Then
0: you deserved um, what you got <laughs> at the hands of this murderer whose name I- is... Never mind. I'm not gonna say it I'm
1: not gonna say it we're
0: gonna, we're gonna save it for later uh, okay so we already talked about Clay Duvall and it's uh, a hilarious or we talked about four of these people uh, so they're all freaking out Clay Duvall brings up the fact that it's like we've had all these murders here maybe it's because this motel is on an Indian burial ground and they're like everybody in the movie including the audience goes wait what <laughs> and she's like yeah did you not read the pamphlets and everyone still goes wait what pamphlets <laughs> And she's like, "Well, it doesn't matter because it's not the thing happening anyway." I just... And then
1: they drop it two seconds later, never to be mentioned again.
0: And so they're all like, "Okay, we gotta get out of here." Clay Duval, you take the kid, go to the car, and we're and, gonna and go keep do...
1: driving through the night.
0: Drive through the night, get him to safety. As soon as they disappear behind this car, they get you hear the, the car door open, and then boom, boom, big explosion.
1: Big explosion. They are instantly killed.
0: Yep. And just that's
1: fucking it. killed. And then there were four, I think. Yep. Yeah. And then there were four.
0: This is also at this point, Clay Duval references, and then there were none. Yeah. She references the Agatha Christie, which book. really
1: ain't a classy move.
0: Yeah, but she does like that. Well, maybe we all have something in common. Maybe all of us have something here. Maybe
1: we were all brought here by a common purpose. Yeah.
0: For maybe we've all done something together. We don't know. And everyone's like, "Shut up! You think this is an Indian burial ground situation? And it's yeah. not."
1: Well, it turns out she was onto something. we're getting very close to figuring it out. So, at this point, we only have left Amanda Peet, John Cusack,
0: um, Ray Liotta,
1: Liotta, John Hawks. Hawks. Those are our only four players left.
0: This is when Amanda Peet freaks out Mm -hmm. and yells that infamous line, I'm turning 30 next week and all I want is to be around some orange groves. Yes. Yeah, she says, I'm turning 30 next week and I just want to go home and grow oranges. (laughs) That's the line. Out of nowhere, she just runs out the door and screams this into the air. Yeah.
1: Because we have to have a very contrived plot point, where they have to all realize that they have the same birthday. Yep. Every and they look at everyone because this is back when you had to like scan your ID to get a, a room key. They realize that all of them have
0: the same the same
1: exact birthday. May tenth. May tenth. And they and as Amanda Pete I can't remember. She, for some reason, she goes outside to I think check the police car to see if it's still running. She and John Cusack have separate revelations at that moment. And this is where she has the lesser revelation.
0: Well, she's a woman.
1: Yes. Um, She realizes that Ray Liotta is not a cop and is in fact one of the prisoners. And that he he and the other prisoner killed the police officer. Ray Liotta took his clothes and his identification. And then they just sort of, they were going to kind of make a run for it. Yeah. And that's why he's dressed as a cop. There's a dead body in the, in, in the, the trunk. trunk. Um, it's a whole thing. And separately, John Cusack is realizing, oh, we're all named after states.
0: This is, okay. So I'm going to run down these names.
1: Yeah, please do run down these all
0: right. names. So John Cusack's name is Edward Ed Dakota. Dakota. Ray Liotta's name is Sam Rhodes. Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. Amanda Pete. Her name is Paris, Nevada. That's
1: the fakest name I've ever heard.
0: Well, she is a Las Vegas sex worker.
1: Yeah. Um, That's like her legal name. Yeah. It's on her ID.
0: Uh, Clay Duval's name is, uh, Ginny Iziana. which is, this will make sense later. What? Yeah. Um, Rebecca de Mornay's name is Caroline, Carolina. Yeah. John Hawk's name is Larry Washington. Um... Leah Kenzie uses this the, the mom. Her name is Alice York. John Z McGinley is George York, the Brett Lower, the kid. His name is Timmy York. Mm-hmm. Jake Busey's name is also is Robert Maine. Mm-hmm. And William Lee Scott's name is Lou. Which again, folks, since he and Clay Duval share the last name, Isiana, his name is Lou Isiana.
1: And Clea Duval's name is an estate though.
0: Ginny Isiana. I have no fucking clue. Ginny, G, G, G Geneva,
1: Jinny.
0: I don't know. I guess she's not one.
1: I guess she was never one.
0: I don't know. I don't know. She's not
1: one of the hive. I guess
0: not. I guess not. That's weird. Maybe that's the twist.
1: That's the twist. She's she's a real person. She's the only one on the outside of the conspiracy.
0: Well, that's why she's able to see it so clearly.
1: Yes, that makes sense. Anyway, Ian, would you please reveal the twist for us?
0: Alright, so, what we find out... The
1: first of two twists.
0: Yes, the first of two twists.
1: So save that other twist.
0: Is Malcolm Rivers gets brought in before the board, and it is not this fuck... It's not any of these people at the fucking hotel.
1: Well, first off it is. First
0: off, it's Pruitt Taylor Vince. He plays Malcolm Rivers. He's a character actor he has been in a bunch of stuff, Mm -hmm. but... They're like, what the fuck is, you know, so what's going on? Tell us about your stuff. We see that you've, you know, had this troubled past. You murdered six people at a, at a motel. Um, and, you know, you you were, your mother was a sex worker, all this other stuff like that. So your pieces are starting to come That's together.
1: That's kind of from earlier in the movie. The big revelation that happens in this scene is that when John Cusack puts it all together. Yeah. All of a sudden he wakes up.
0: And he's in front of Alfred Molina's goatee. Yes. And you find out, oh shit, everybody at the motel Mm -hmm. is a different personality inside of Malcolm River's mind.
1: And they are trying to kill off the one of them that committed all of the murders at the motel. Yeah. It was only one of the personalities. One of these personalities. personalities. So they've created this entire scenario and put them all in the situation so that John Cusack's personality specifically
0: who is like cuz he was a former detective he was a good man
1: yes so that he can find he was
0: kind of the main personality
1: yeah so that he can find the one of the rest of them that was the one that committed all of these horrible murders and he can kill them
0: yeah so that he so that malcolm can kill that murderous
1: because if they proclivity prove in his body that that murderous personality is gone <laughs> then Malcolm Rivers will not be executed the next day.
0: I This is so wild. It's
1: also wild at the end when he when you see that they've been just seeing him doing all of the dialogue. And this has
0: just been a one man show it's for just them. That they've just
1: been, all of these fucking lawyers and doctors have been sitting around this fucking conference room watching this man act out the entirety of identity.
0: Yeah. Which is nuts.
1: Yeah. Insane.
0: And there are so many different like This is the thing I kind of like about this movie is this, this is the thing that feels very like akin to those mid nineties movies that relied on one twist, (laughs) uh, like the usual suspects or primal fear where you, you get like a little hint of like, like, oh, this person that you think has been helping out the cops Mm -hmm. find this murderer has actually been the murderer the whole time. And it's, like, a, it's a lot of fun. You get, like, mm-hmm. it's, like, one solid twist. Mm-hmm. And it makes it very easy. Yeah. This is, again, like you said, Lauren, the first of two twists. hmm So, now we're, like, okay, everything we've been watching has been taking place inside of this bro's head. mm mm-hmm. uh, We've got four personalities left. One of these is the killer. John Hawks very quickly dies. Yes. Not that you had any doubt in your mind. And, of course,
1: Amanda d- Pete has realized that yeah. Ray is the bad guy, so he's the murderer.
0: Yes, they're like, fuck, okay, we've got to kill Ray Liotta.
1: So Ray Liotta's the bad guy.
0: So this very quick shootout happens. It
1: happens so quickly. So
0: quickly. Again, climax, 90 minutes. The climax
1: of the movie is not this action scene. The climax of the movie is him is realizing the twist.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Ray Liotta and John Cusack see each other, like, outside, and they both just, oh, hey, ba-boom, and they shoot <laughs> each other in the chest.
1: Yep. They, can't, they essentially cancel each other out and all that's left is Amanda Peet.
0: All that's left is Amanda Peet.
1: Because she's is, the innocent is, one. Yeah, she's the sex getting, worker
0: with a heart of gold. It's
1: also like the the, the the multiple personalities thing just doesn't make sense to me because it's not like they're, they're all like, oh, I, we all have our same therapist with the mustache, you know? they don't remember being awake and going to these therapy sessions at all. They just exist in this fantasy world, so not only does he have multiple personalities, but he has multiple personalities that are, like, he exists in another realm of existence. Like, he's not even responsive in real life. Like, when, at the end of this movie, when, like, he, you know, when Amanda Pete lives and gets to go off and be part of an orange grove, he's, like, his sentence gets commuted, and like he gets to he's just like being driven to the, the penitentiary, being driven to like the, the, the mental, state hospital. The mental health facility that he's going to go to. He's like being Amanda Pete somewhere else. It's not like Amanda Pete is in his body being driven to the mental health facility. Yeah,
0: he's not interacting with uh with Alfred Molina's goatee as yeah. Amanda Pete, which I would pay so much money to watch. No,
1: he's just in a in a different world, which is a completely different psychiatric disorder, and that's not at all how that's they, not
0: dissociative personality disorder. this is
1: like a completely different reality that he lives within yeah this is like a virtual reality situation almost yeah like it should be like a futuristic vr type thing but it's not like the
0: matrix or yeah. like your spec script 13th floor exactly <laughs> um yeah no you're you're absolutely right because he never we never see him actually interacting with anyone um but they long story short amanda pete lives mm-hmm. they're like we killed the killer mm-hmm uh, great. Huzzah. Good, good for John, us. John
1: Cusack dies because he like also it's revealed like through his tragic fake backstory that like he doesn't really know he has like no reason to live. Basically, he's very just like down on the world. He tried to talk a woman down from a ledge, and then when she when he did, he she asked him like what is worth living for and he hesitated and he was just like i don't know life sucks and she threw herself off the fucking bridge yeah
0: and so john cusack's like like, i'm spoiled goods
1: i'm out baby amanda pete you go
0: you you yeah i'm
1: tapping out amanda you go
0: it's a tearful goodbye in the rain
1: with two characters who don't really know each other and have no relationship Um, they kind of treat it like there's a sexual tension there Like, when he kind of, like, whispers to her before the shootout, his mouth is so close to her mouth, but I'm like, I legit was racking my brain, like, have you two spoken in this movie before?
0: They did, because he... They they did form some sort of a connection early on because at one point he, like, goes to her room and she's like, there's something fucking that's screwy right. going on.
1: She's the one he reveals his tragic backstory, too.
0: Yeah, because she's like, she, she's like, well, no, we should trust the cop. And Rayleigh, and uh, John Cusack's like, you really want to trust the cop that's let two murders happen while he's been here? Like, also, that's John the cop Cusack's you want Also, John Cusack's like, I'm
1: not a cop anymore. It's not because I have a high opinion of cops. <laughs>
0: yeah, so she's a little bit... John Cusack's
1: and, definitely a cop that's like, I left because I realized the police ain't shit.
0: Yeah. Like, John Cusack's the fucking man. Yeah. And but yeah, no, it definitely feels like Amanda P was like, okay, cool, Cusack's on the level. I'm gonna hunker down with him, at, in a purely like, let's survive the night kind of way, not in a in any sort of a romantic or sexual way. Yeah. Um, which I appreciate. I appreciate that there's no that that angle never comes into and play I was like, in this with, like, movie. How
1: would that logistically even work? Masturbation. Exactly. Um, but, but like, mm, all right, <laughs> all right, it's just the same. Person. Malcolm
0: Rivers can play it out for you if you want.
1: Uh, yeah, I just feel like it's like not gonna look great to that board meeting, you know?
0: And something that I find that I would find kind of interesting to watch is like does he act it out as if he's in front of the other person? or is it all just like he's just he's not acting it out. It's just in his mind and he's just speaking the dialogue?
1: I think it's revealed at the end that that's the second one is the case. That's so that He's just like monotone speaking the dialogue.
0: Yeah, that's the most embarrassing thing is he's not even doing character voices for these people. It's like
1: it's multiple personalities, but it's not multiple personalities. He's just recounting what's happening in his head. That's not multiple personality disorder. If it was multiple personality disorder, it'd be like the one scene in this movie where John Cusack takes over his body and talks to people.
0: But that's not it. Instead, what this... Which is... Okay, so that's wild. Because in that scene with John Cusack, where he's in front of the board of doctors, he is engaging with Alfred Molina's he goatee. He
1: is engaging with the outside world.
0: But we never see... Um, uh, 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 Any um, of the other
1: characters do that. Yeah. And, but it is implied. he does. He, it is interesting because Alfred Molina's mustache does say that... You've missed your last few appointments with me. Yes. So he is routinely talking with the personalities in sessions. Yeah. So.
0: But it doesn't, it it seriously doesn't make sense.
1: It doesn't make sense because they're not aware of these sessions. Although, like, even, and even when he surfaces, he's not aware that he's had sessions in the past.
0: And no one, no other person is like, oh, yeah, like you were saying, I'm also seeing a psychiatrist with a no crazy goatee. No one's, no
1: one's like, oh, yeah, we all have the same psychiatrist. What's up with that? That would have been something interesting. Like, that, I think. Would yeah, but Lauren,
0: they all have the same birthday.
1: That would have been so much more telling <laughs> than, like, them having the same birthday to me.
0: Speak for yourself.
1: All right. <laughs> Fuck me, I guess. Um,
0: <laughs> the other thing. So, yeah. So, we find out Amanda Pete. Just driving along. So they they are like, you know what? Fucking Alfred Molina's goatee, you win. We're not gonna kill this homie in the morning. Whatever. This dude survives. He wins. Um, so you know what we're gonna do? Yeah, you can just take him to the state hospital. We're gonna fucking call off this thing. <laughs> it's an ex we're staying the execution, it's whatever. It's like, just
1: truly not worth it anymore.
0: We lost this round. I just wanna go to bed. I've yeah. been awake here for hours. Yeah. And so they let him do that and they take him away. Mm-hmm. And the next shot you get is Amanda Peet driving through some orange groves, singing Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. And everything seems fucking chill. Yeah. And then.
1: She's got her life at the end. She's got
0: her life. She's going out.
1: And, and I think we've already kind of ruined this twist for earlier in the episode if you are paying attention. But yep. Ian, take she, it away. She
0: goes out and she's like, I'm going to go uh, use this little uh, dirt claw and, and dig mm-hmm. through the dirt. Yeah,
1: because I see a little something. I see the a little plan. something in the dirt.
0: This is weird. Pulls it out. And it's a room key with number a number one. one. Who could it be? No she one's starts, left! She starts freaking out. She turns around and she's like, oh no, it's you. And guess what? It's the fucking kid from the beginning <laughs> of this movie.
1: He didn't blow up.
0: He didn't blow cool up.
1: kids don't look at explosions. They just walk away from them.
0: And she says, this is why Amanda Pete's a great actor. She says with so much conviction... And fear in her eyes.
1: She's terrified. Timmy. Because <laughs> his we, name is Timmy.
0: And it, it's just the worst name. Give this kid a different Timmy. name. Timmy. Fuck you. Timmy. Give this kid a different name. So yeah, Timmy's <laughs> the murderer. So then what we get... His
1: name should have been Joseph.
0: Is the best scene of the movie. Which is <laughs> this kid's acting reel. Which I hope he genuinely <laughs> used for years to come. And it is a scene... Of just, like, when you start to see people dying, you see him, like, standing waving at his dad. And his dad, like, or, and John C. McGinley, like, crossing over and then getting hit by the car. So mm-hmm. you see him lure him out there. You see him walking away from an explosion, mm-hmm. not turning around, looking like an evil badass. You
1: see him smothering his mother to death.
0: With, like, just, like, pinching her nose <laughs> and putting his hand over her mouth with his little kid strength.
1: Yep, and then you see him just, like, having a little baby knife out. She's yeah. Like ready to go.
0: Ready to kill uh William Lee Scott. Just
1: kill kill kill. Um but you do never get to see him put that <laughs> baseball bat in that ba- in that dude's body. We
0: never see him jump from the rafters and <laughs> land that baseball bat. We never
1: bat. see him eat himself across the room.
0: Yeah. It would be so cool. He would have
1: to drop from the ceiling with incredible aim.
0: I hope it was a pole vaulting situation. But even then, Where he was like in the corner and then he's like, I gotta make a quick escape. And he runs and then he shoves the, the baseball but bat. But even
1: then, the guy would have had to open his mouth nice and wide for it.
0: Which again, if he is staring up at the rafters uh oh is that a little kid up there oh, and then he's yeah. just boom
1: i can't even open my mouth wide for like a, a strep test you know like i someone like fucking swabs my throat i'm like oh no well,
0: jake no Busey's my- taking a few strep tests if you know what i mean <laughs> one of them was a fucking baseball bat to the goddamn liver but yeah so this little I kid
1: being so terrified of In that moment, Ian, so scared of that little kid.
0: Lauren, this is, I remember thinking when I first saw this movie. It's so funny. It's so
1: funny and I was terrified. Oh, when
0: I first saw this movie, I thought that it was brilliant. I was just like, I never would have guessed that.
1: I know. I thought it was, I genuinely was like, whoa, this is the scariest twist in the world.
0: Watching it now, I'm like, because I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming the whole time. And again, I wrote, I still rode with this movie for most of it. And it's just that bit at the end that just turns so Weirdly, silly. It it's so stupid. it is specifically that
1: his name is Timmy. Yeah. It's specifically, like, I think it honestly would have been scarier if there had been no montage and his name had been, like, Joseph.
0: Or if it had just been, like, you. Like, I think there would have been something to finding out, like, to them being, like, nobody <sighs> had names.
1: Yeah. Honestly, yeah.
0: Like... Maybe there's, like, which is the thing about this movie that... I actually
1: do think there's too many details.
0: There's too many details. It's too specific.
1: It shouldn't have been, like, no names, and they should have, like, exclusively kind of been known by their profession. It could have been a more, like, abstract thing. Yeah. Never get names. Make it more of a play. No, yeah, exactly, because so much of this is, like, a good play, the same way that, like, a lot of Agatha Christie stories make good plays. It's, like... it uh, it can do a lot with a little, especially because so many of the deaths happen off stage or yep. off screen. You know, like you can do so much with the tension. Because I, I there is something I really like about like, and then there were none, and like about the idea of like it's one of us. So how do we strategically make sure that like no one's alone and no one's like yeah no one strays from the herd. And then how does the murderer still pick people off in that scenario and play people against each other? And like there's something to those like Machiavellian
0: yeah like,
1: like, to the strategy to the strategy of it that is very satisfying watching this like it's that way that, like when you play the game like have you ever played like the theater game Mouse Hunt. uh no uh it's called werewolf oh I yeah the way i played it where like yeah. everyone like one person gets turned and you have to figure out who the person is and like it's yeah. all about like blending in and trying to like strategically figure out which one of you is lying and which yeah. one who's betraying who and, like, there's something that is so incredibly satisfying about that, dramatically, that, like, I don't need the huge twists and the huge, like, you know, the big turns and the big special effects and the cool kills. Because I just, like, watching people try to outsmart each other.
0: Yeah, me too, And yeah. try to,
1: try to, and in survival and in, like, that predator versus prey in this confined space that is so satisfying.
0: But what what this genuinely feels like is I had a twist and then I worked backwards. Yes, <clears throat> which is the the problem. It's with like someone moment. said,
1: like, okay, I want to do a murder mystery where it's a bunch of multiple personalities trying to kill each other off.
0: Yeah. Which is not a bad idea.
1: Which isn't a bad idea, but, like, you have to imbue it with something more than that. Yeah. And, like, you have to either, like, commit to giving these characters full internal lives and making them real people so that the rug pull works, or you have to take away some more details and let it be a little bit more impressionistic, let it be a little bit weirder. Um... You know, I think there are other movies that have done this particular twist better. Oh, a billion Movies percent. that have come out this year that I will not name um, because I don't want to give stuff away. But, like, movies that have done it better this year.
0: Movies that you did not like that movies have done that this Movies that I didn't
1: better. like, but I think... <laughs> movies that I struggled with, but that I... And ultimately appreciated artistically more because I like...
0: Because there's a level of, like, planning choice. and craftsmanship that goes into it. Well, it's like, you it. have
1: two avenues to choose, and I'd prefer you just... And I may cho- prefer one avenue over the other, but ultimately, I just like that when the choice is made. And this one is halfway between two choices, and therefore it really doesn't work as either.
0: Yeah. Um, it, it also just feels like the movie started to question the internal logic of the movie of itself... It, it does so, so infrequently and sporadically.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like we talked about it with the Cleo Duval thing with her being like, maybe it's an Indian burial ground. Or at one point she says, maybe it's not something not human. And again, these ideas, these, these things that would change, not even just like the rules of the movie, but the rules of the world. Yeah. Get brought up.
1: We don't exist in the world we thought we existed in.
0: Yeah, these ideas, these kind of lofty theories that one would have like if this was a television show, like like Mm -hmm. Lost or something like that, Mm -hmm. where it's like these things that people would write fucking like Reddit pages on Mm -hmm. get brought up and dispelled in a matter of like one minute. Yeah. And so you don't get to have the fun of like, maybe it is something like this or maybe it's not something like this. In the movie that you are talking about specifically, Mm -hmm. that i loved Mm -hmm. i think the beauty of that movie is that there's a lot that it allows so much time for it to be like it could be nine different things and all of them are being backed up by what i've seen for the past like 45 minutes and
1: i'm not just bringing up those ideas and saying no every five minutes it's a bunch of like oh it could be this it could be this it could be this and i'm really kind of not going to give you an answer because i'm going to let you figure it out
0: yeah Um, Um,
1: there's, there's so much like binary in this movie. Uh, Yeah. Just like yes and no, right and wrong about like, and I I think that it's like, I I would have preferred it living in a gray area a little bit more.
0: Yeah. The movie's way too scared to actually be ambiguous. It's, it's gotta give you not just an answer to the question, an answer to all of the questions. Yeah. Um, but that's identity. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll get into uh i'm there's really not a ton of trivia for this movie i didn't find a ton of casting what ifs i didn't find a ton of like really anything on it uh with the exception of the fact that it was like it wasted a ton of like so many gallons of water because of the rain because this was all like fake rain god it was filmed in california
1: oh god i'm pretty
0: sure this movie is responsible for the california drought no Um, oh
1: god so much
0: let's get into the budget game what do you Mm -hmm. think the budget of this movie is
1: oh boy in what year 2003 this mm. cast
0: think of this cast
1: oh god i'm going to fail at this one so bad um uh, i try i genuinely don't even know um 30 million
0: 30 million nice great check
1: 28 28 28 all right i was
0: yeah. close uh worldwide gross
1: hmm i don't think it did well hmm but maybe I don't know. I'm gonna guess like maybe like 38 million worldwide. Yeah.
0: Cool. 90.
1: Oh wow.
0: 50 domestically, huge 90 hit. worldwide. Not huge hit, but like, like solid a hit. Pretty
1: solid margin. Hit. Solid
0: hit. Well, this movie came out in April, and then ironically, the next week, the the week after it came out it was knocked. Down, it was it premiered at number one mm-hmm. in, on in the box office the week it came out. Yeah. It was knocked down to number three the next week because it was uh, uh competing against uh x2 x-men united which is a little fun fact because james Mangold then eventually took over the wolverine story yeah um yeah that's really what it is so i guess we'll get into it now lauren Mm
1: -hmm. in
0: 2020 do you recommend identity
1: well now that you know the twist probably not um (laughs) i think like it's on stars if you have stars i think it's a solid like it's raining outside and i want to put something on the background I think it could be pretty fun. Um, I don't think it'll have quite the impact if you don't, if, if you know the twist going in. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is atmospheric. It is, like, good for a rainy day. Um, I don't hate it, so it's, like, a not a huge recommend, but I wouldn't, like, warn someone against it. Yeah. I would say, like, if it sounds like something you're into, go for it. Yeah. I would recommend if you, if you, like, know the twist on this movie, um... 13th floor is a movie that is very similar in vibe that I really like and that this I This is think... your
0: spec script 13th floor, <laughs> yeah.
1: No, it's a real movie that came out in 1999. Um A
0: real year, sure.
1: Yep, and uh I think it's really fun. So yeah.
0: I'm going to recommend it. Cool. I think this movie's I still really fun. I did watching
1: this. I had a good time.
0: I kind of think like this cast is so watchable. Yeah. And like you said, it, it is atmospheric. It does present, like, some pretty fun, mm-hmm. like, world-building. Yeah. And ultimately, like, even if you, like, if you if you know the twist and you're with a group of friends that don't, it's fun to watch it oh, with them. Yeah. But if you're with a group of people that doesn't know the twist, yeah, it's also still kind of fun to watch and, again, have these conversations of how could this mm-hmm. happen. It's kind of like a really fun B-movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't a recommendation of mine, but it's something that like, I remember when I, cause it's, it's too old, but, um, it, it reminds me of like when I saw Shutter Island for the first time, mm-hmm. I thought it was well-made,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, but ultimately was kind of like, and it reminded me a lot of this movie
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it wasn't until going, I think Shutter Island is a movie that for me has aged significantly better this, than this movie. Cause when you and I went back and rewatched Shutter Island last year, yeah. I loved it Mm-hmm. Um, but this movie I think ages a little bit more like, oh, this is a fun, like we're gonna put a frozen pizza in the oven yeah. and it's like a yeah, it's like a Tuesday night. I it's really like, Halloween
1: season, yeah. It's
0: 90 minutes, mm-hmm. it's inoffensive, and it's got a truly bonkers ass twist. Yeah. So I would say check it out. I think it's mm-hmm. a fun movie. Um mm-hmm. uh, now, Lauren, like we always do at this time, is there a modern analogue to identity? You and I there's tons. There's mm-hmm. so many.
1: Yeah. There's so many options for this one. I'm truly, like, paralyzed. Um, so I'm going to give a few, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, I'll, give you, I'll it, give you two. You give me two. Can I do two movies and one non-movie? Sure. Okay. Um, so I want to recommend, if you want a silly, dumb movie with a crazy twist... I want to recommend this movie called Serenity. Um, with Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. But
0: falls in the same category as this. Exact same category
1: as this. Same category. Same category. This. Wild fucking twist. Very flawed movie, but if you want a movie that will make you feel as what the fuck as this movie, you cannot be beat for a what the fuck twist. when it like, The rules of the
0: game have changed, Lauren.
1: Serenity is unbeatable in terms of like crazy fucking twists. I also want to recommend a mini series called uh, it's called And Then There Were None because it's based on the Agatha Christie novel. Oh, um, the BBC did a um, a three-part mini series with an incredible cast. Like another like all-star cast like Charles Dance is in it, Aidan Turner, Toby Stevens, Sam Neill, a bunch of people are in this. They're like there's like BBC royalty basically. Um, it's incredibly atmospheric, and, like, everything we're talking about in terms of, like, the chess match, they really lean into the psychological horror, and they really put you in the, like, exhaustion of these people who are, like, afraid to go to sleep, that are, like, making alliances and are trying to, like, strategize about, like, okay, if we go anywhere, three people are together, it has to be these three people, and, like, the way that the killer goes around that and tries to outsmart and pick them off Mm -hmm. and pick off their, like, weak spots not just in terms of like individuals but in terms of relationships it's really really well done adaptation and i i loved it it's genuinely such a creepy atmosphere too it's this great slow burn of dread um and then in terms of non-movies um because i've been listening to a shit ton of audio drama recently um i want to recommend this anthology horror podcast called the magnus archives because they have an episode that is specifically based on the poem Um, i met a man who wasn't there um it's episode 85 it's basically a standalone anthology horror story that is very like existential psychological horror about this like maybe entity um that doesn't exist that then like eats you and then you become the person that doesn't exist by acknowledging this man upon the stair um it's very well done horror um and i really like really love the show um, that's called the Magnus Archives, uh, and it's for free on all like podcast apps. Uh, Wonderful. So, Ian.
0: Great. Jeez, um, there's so much to to recommend. Um, first off, I would say just watch James Mangold movies. I think he's like genuinely one of the most fun kind of like traditional Hollywood directors still mm-hmm. working today. Um, I know it's not a popular opinion to say, so I'm sorry if this gets, you know, loses us listeners, but I really enjoyed Ford vs. Ferrari. I, Mm -hmm. I've seen it twice now. I think it's a lot of fun. There's
1: nothing wrong with dad movies.
0: Yep. Uh, but I think like the movie that I, the, the clearest line you can draw, uh, from this movie to a modern analog is bad times of the El Royale, Mm -hmm. the Drew Goddard movie, um, which is, uh, good, not great, Mm -hmm. uh, had the potential to be great. is a little too long, but. Uh, very stylish, looks great and, and has a great setup. Uh, so I would say much like this movie, kind of like, if you want to kind of like hang out in a cool place with some cool, good looking actors that are all like in the middle of a mystery, it's a it, like, there are much worse times that you can have. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, again, to do a non film recommendation, oh. I'm in the midst of reading a book right now called The Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton. That is, a uh, also very Christy-esque, and, uh, and has a lot of... I'm gonna twi- steal
1: that from you once you're done with it.
0: It's excellent right now. I'm, yeah. I'm a little over halfway through, and it's it's very, very fun, and has a lot of twists and turns. Love it. Um, and is all kind of set in one location, mm-hmm. and, you know, a very, very creative twist on yeah. the uh, on the alliance kind of, like, strategy. Yeah. Great. Lauren, we've been promising to do this for a while. Oh, it's a yeah! It's time to make good. Uh, I'm going to read some reviews.
1: Yeah.
0: These people have left us five star reviews. We're going to read them right now. Somebody said, dudes stumbled across this while listening to Action Boys. Listened to the Wish Upon a Star episode and was so reminded of how much fun that movie is. My sister used to watch it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another one, E-Rock 1991 says, this nostalgia trip of a podcast is incredibly fun and I can't wait for more. I haven't thought about these movies in years and it's such a blast going back to them. Yeah. D-coms for I'm sure he
1: was saying that, or she was saying that about the, um, uh, what movie do we do with Lawrence though? Care Bears. Care Bears. I hope so. So you specifically had a great time revisiting Care Bears
0: cheesy farts says so so happy that this exists i really hope you also discuss the 13th year and the luck of the irish well cheesy farts you're in luck we did like the irish a couple of the weeks irish. ago hope you're still listening uh,
1: 13th year is coming up
0: hainsworthy uh one of my one of our good friends chris hainsworth who's definitely been on the pod uh said just finished minority report my generational differences keeps me from getting the full effect of the disney channel movies but it's always a joy to listen to uh And then he goes into a really awesome spoiler on Minority Report that you should definitely read.
1: Deep dive. Um,
0: J.T. Swift change... Says, this show is delightful and made with a great amount of respect for the films it covers. Debatable, but thank you. Yeah. Some of these movies have aged really well, others not so much, but they still love them. They're able to admire the craft in bad movies and laugh at the ridiculous in good ones. The section where they choose modern soulmates to older films is particularly interesting. Thanks, J.T. Swift Change. It's Even though I nice recommend
1: Paddington 2 40 times. This is true. How many different times and ways can I recommend Paddington 2, the, the best s- movie of the decade? The, <laughs> the
0: Situation <laughs> says... Simply put, this is my favorite podcast. I'm able to take a trip down memory lane when listening to an episode. I love how each person talking has something different to say in their own very distinct point of view. I live for new uploads. Uh, we only got a couple more here uh sad thespian ain't that the truth
1: ain't we all right now uh
0: says this may be my favorite film podcast outside the horror genre the hosts are so entertaining and i love their reactions also tis a far far better thing is most definitely a bop thank you it for reminding me is in a simple wish the episode it's in addition a bop helping me realize i actually didn't imagine the Christie alley vehicle toothless
1: which we have to do
0: still not convinced it's real uh i'm assuming it's this real is
1: and it's great
0: Our friend Lena, who has been on here... Super uh, fan. Lena B4 says, There's nothing quite like three visiting movies from your youth and asking why on earth did we think this was a good idea in (laughs) 2002. Every episode has moments of love and enjoyment, perfectly capturing why we enjoyed the movie before while still exploring what the movie might still have to say. Plenty of moments in this podcast have prompted a revisit of, quote, that movie I watched on repeat, quote, to find new meaning as well as, I can't believe we got away with that, face palms. As a culturally illiterate child, I missed out on a lot of, quote, classic movies from millennial childhood. But somehow, even the episodes of movies I had never seen still delight me with the examination of pop culture from the past mixed with references from the present. And usually they force me to look up the movie when I'm done. Also, it's hilarious. Hell yeah. Listening to it weekly has caused some strange looks and averted eyes from passerbys as I thoroughly enjoy the quips and emphatic arguments of the hosts. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Why haven't you downloaded this yet? That's very sweet. Thank you very much. All of you who have left five-star reviews, it really means the world. Folks, if you want your five-star review read on air, then leave us one. Leave us one. Send us an email film at gmail.com. Yeah. Leave us a review on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Podchaser.
1: Podchaser. We've discovered the joys of Podchaser. Some <clears throat> people have left reviews for Vanishing Act, which have been really lovely. Check
0: out The Vanishing Act. We have yes. uh, episode four coming out on the 21st. 21st. So that's a couple days after this episode airs. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can binge episodes one through three, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Now also be sure to check out Eric Eilerson's podcast, the living force brought to you from Utini for all of your extended universe, star Wars needs. Uh, Thank you very much for listening folks. Please make sure you are registered to vote and please make sure if you do have any extra cash laying around the house, you find a good donation uh, charity that you could have to donate that money to. Thank you very much for listening, folks. Bye. Timmy? No!